Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. You darn totin'. And all right, or, all right, all right. And or Lucy's newfound <laughs> obsession with trying to imitate Matthew McConaughey's accent. It's like been a doozy, people. <laughs> what the fuck is that? I don't know. He does, he does birds at some point. He does. What? He does kind of do a, a whistle, a whistle list sometimes. It's always this a smooth ride in a Lincoln. Ish, I can't. <laughs> Who are we? Uh, I'm Kenyon. I'm Lucy. No, I'm Amanda. I'm disgusted. <laughs> I'm dissociating. I'm disassociating. You guys, I'm also Dis- cranky. Why? Oh. Because, and I did not get enough support on the group text earlier, which is why I am bringing it up again. (laughs) Okay. Our group text or the wider group text? The wider group text. Okay. Before we went on vacation, I was using the garbage disposal. (laughs) Oh, my God. And it suddenly stopped working, and I didn't understand why. And Bill tinkered around in there. Turns out, couple of measuring spoons, metal ones, got down in there. <laughs> you didn't hear the metal couple. on metal? No, I was probably singing, let's be real. Previously, <laughs> when you talked about it, it was one spoon. Okay, yeah. okay, well, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. So we fished those all out, but then it still wouldn't work. So I was like, oh, fuck, I'll, when we get back, I'll call someone. Because I'm looking online at like, I'm sure we can figure this out. And everything we look up about like fixing your own garbage disposal is like, don't. You like, could ruin oh your plumbing. She's oh, bleeding call, out. Call my dad next time. Right? I've got to. So I called a company. They come out. They find another spoon part because it was apparently the whole set <laughs> of measuring spoons went down there. So there was another fucking spoon down there jamming the whole situation up, pulled that out. Flips it on, totally works. That cost me $300. It cost me $300 for a man to come over and take five minutes to pull out a spoon and then leave. (laughs) A full garbage disposal costs much less than that. I know, but I also don't want to buy a whole, I mean, I don't know. Well, no, I I know, know, but I'm just saying like, but I'm, now not, I'm not presenting you with an alternative option. Yeah, I'm just saying I'll fish, around, I'll fish around deeper next time and risk it all. Zach, when we bought our house, which we do not have a garbage disposal, mm. Zach was like, I want a garbage disposal. So he just like bought one. <laughs> with no idea how to install it or like yeah. which one works with your sink. Yeah. I mean, it's not <laughs> super complicated for somebody who has an understanding of plumbing. Well, that's not Zach. Well, no. It's not Zach. <laughs> we got a quote for somebody to install it. It was a shit ton of money. He mm. was like, I'm going to have to drill into your countertop. I'm going to have to da-da-da. He was like, this is not, this is not just a quick... <laughs> 
Zach thought it was like, attach here. Right. <laughs> Done. <laughs> yeah. Like getting one of those little um, bidets for your yeah, toilet. Which like, he also bought. Oh, and, yeah. A, a, what is it called? Install. A tootie or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah. A, oh. A booties. Tootie. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not nailing it. Okay. So but now, still. So now we have a garbage disposal that has just been sitting in the box, <laughs> unopened, can't return it. That's Poor, fucking homeownership in a goddamn nutshell. Poor booty patootie. My just booty sitting patootie. there unused. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, buy a house, they said. It'll be great, they said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, everything's a fucking scam. It's all a scam. I know. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, <laughs> our lives are riveting. I know. These days. I, I had to get it off my chest. I feel like people were not outraged enough when I expressed this earlier. No, three hundred dollars for a spoon fucking sucks. I'm so uh, sorry. Sir. Yes, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Let me know where I can send my condolence bouquets let, to. Let me know how we can support you. What can I send in lieu of flowers? <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> where can I donate to? <laughs> okay, so we have a very special fan pick this week brought to you by our fan picker Andrina V. Ooh. And this was supposed to be a little bit closer to Valentine's Day, but like shit got fucked up on our end and we're doing our best. Okay, people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> the subject is Charlie Crimes. Oh. As in people named Charlie. Yes. And then this is a little message from Andrina. So, quote, I got introduced to your podcast by this guy that I fell hard and fast for, whose name, take a guess, is Charlie. Oh, shoot. Gets better. We had a great few months, and then I found out he already had a girlfriend. Oh, no. This is starting to read like a coven confession. (laughs) Of two years. Oh, my God. (laughs) That he conveniently forgot to mention. Wow. (laughs) Honestly, I admire the ability to juggle two people sometimes. It it boggles my mind. I don't know how anyone could could do it or want to do it. It is literally too stressful. Yeah, it's it's that is insane to me. Like that has to be psychopathy. Like Mm -hmm. there's that's it's so foreign to me. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they go on. He also despises dry wines. So, Amanda, feel free to pick anything dry. Make the Sahara Desert jealous. Yum. (laughs) I am 99% sure that Cheating Charlie listens to the pod with his girlfriend. Oh, (gasps) no. So, shout out to her. Oh, I'm pretty sure she has no idea he was two-timing her. And cheating tends to not be an isolated incident. Yeah. Yeah. So keep your eyes open, girl. I don't know you, but I have no doubt we could both do better than him. Oh, my God. I really hope this frees her from her scummy captivity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you've got a boyfriend named Charlie and they've been acting sketchy and they hate dry wine, they Mm -hmm. check their phone. And they like this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Just, you know what? Fucking check their phone. Yeah. Call his mom. This is your permission. (laughs) <laughs> Call his mom. He's in a cult. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to our wine crime pairing. I'm hoping it's something really fucking dry. Oh, mm-hmm. she's dry and topical. <laughs> 
I'm sorry, but I really knocked it out of the park with this here uh, pairing. I'm very proud. Because today we are drinking the Charles and Charles Rosé. Yes. Oh, there we go. Double the Charles. Double, double the fun. the Charles, which I can only read as the Charles and Charles Rosé. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a Columbia Valley, Washington Rosé. It is a Syrah Shiraz blend, which is basically the same varietal, but whatever. Because he um, was perpetrating a charade. Yes. Yep. The charade blend. Mm. It is 14% ABV, so it should help you get over your crappy X. Mm-hmm. And on the palate, you're going to get some nice bright red berry fruit, some beautiful minerality, some lovely balancing acidity, and a crisp, dry finish, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Hear that, Charlie? Finish. Yeah. Exactly. We are finished. And you can drink it with barbecue, with burgers, grilled fish, pork, fried chicken, boiled crawfish, salads, po' boys, and the blood of your ex. Nice. (laughs) Made into a pudding. Ew. (laughs) Good with seafood like his shrimp dick. Yup. Yeah. Fuck that guy. That's body shaming. Oh, I, didn't I mean, mean it like that. if your shrimp just looks like a dick, I mean, your dick looks like a with shrimp. Big penises who are still shrimp dicks in my listen. Shrimp King dicks come in all dick. sizes. Shrimps can be large and small. Yeah, and delicious or gross. King right. prawn. Anyway, one of the best things about this rosé is that it retails for $10 at Total Wine and More. Nice. It's also a, yeah, it's also a cracker, so it's super easy access. And shall we crack? Let's do it. Let's crack. Here we go. Oh, it didn't blow early. Nice crack. Surreptitious crack. Oh, she got it. (laughs) Oh, Uh, she got it. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Fuck you, Charlie. Yeah. Charlie bit me and it really hurt. It's still hurting. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. Lucy, what is our background and maybe psych? Oh, Charlie. I should have researched that, Charlie, for myself. Those kids are probably in college. Like, probably both of them. They're probably our age. Dear they God. were the original <laughs> viral video. Yeah. Ouch, Charlie. It's still hurting. It's very it cute. It really hurt. It's still hurting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lucy, background and psych, Charlie Crimes. Okay, no, oh, never let me get on. my bones. Oh, no psych. No There's, psych. Okay, no psych. Got it. Oh, psych. Okay. According to charliesnames.com, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Charlie is a diminutive di, dimini, di, diminutive of <laughs> I've never had to say that, la- that word out loud. Of Charles or Carl and is gender neutral. Mm-hmm. Charlie I didn't know it was a Carl nickname. Oh yeah, wow. my in my case the person's real name is Carl, but they go mm-hmm. by Charlie. Hmm. Also good for short for Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, Charlene. Mm-hmm. Charlies. All, all those cuties. Mm-hmm. Charlie means woman or man, and that comes from the Germanic Karal. It could also mean free woman or free man, and that comes from Middle Low German Kerl. Hmm. And warrior, warrior woman or army, and that's from Old High German Harry. 
I didn't cool. realize like to what like how it's always been gender neutral. That's very cool. That's Isn't that super cute? cool. Yeah. yeah, I like. I that always a lot. loved the name Charlie for girls. Yeah, but I didn't know the etymology of why I loved it so much. Yeah. It's yeah. not like a subversive gender neutral. It's like no, it's Legit. always been gender neutral. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love it. From babynames.com, quote, as a standalone name, Charlie has been commonly given in the United States since the year 1880, which was also the year that the Social Security Administration first began recording data for baby names in the first place. So it was probably popular even before that. That's just the first time we recorded it. Yeah, exactly. It became more popular in France in the 1930s, but did not gain traction in other countries until the late 1990s and early 2000s. So she's all over the world. Yeah. Besides the name, Charlie is a code word representing the letter C used in radio communications. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. K is Kilo. L is Lima. Yep. Oh. I don't alpha, know what Adam A is. Oh, Alpha. Yeah. During the Vietnam War, American military slang referred to the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese soldiers as Charlie. And that was short for Victor Charlie or VC in this radio code. Okay, that okay, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Apparently, Charlie can also mean cocaine and possibly heroin. And I guess we'll kind of get to it. Weird. Okay. So I looked up Charlie in Urban Dictionary, and she's a mess. <laughs> like okay. Urban Dictionary, are you okay? Oh my god! Okay. Like there are just a lot of definitions. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of definitions and usages, and some of them are wildly specific, and you can only assume there's a lengthy backstory. Oh, God. Yes. So are you, Charlie? Feel free to read into these as much as you want. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm so excited. So here's just a sampling from the Charlie page. And like I said, please don't expect it to make any kind of sense, and I really doubt that our fan picker will agree with most of these. So here we go. <laughs> Charlie is a truly unique human being. He may tend to believe he doesn't have many true friends, but little does he know how many people admire, care for, and think about him. He has a strange affiliation to waffles. (laughs) Charlie is the jewel of the earth. What? What is happening? I thought Urban Dictionary was like... I'm deeply confused. To us elder millennials, what slang means. Really, anybody can go in and put anything they want as any definition. That's some bullshit. Okay. Can we honor Urban Dictionary? The original. Some of us need a dictionary. They just get increasingly sillier. That's why I'm reading them. I think they're funny. So here's the next one. Having a Charlie in your life is so lucky. They don't always last forever, though. So hold on, it him. (laughs) Charlie is so caring. If you're close to him, he will protect you at all coasts. (laughs) His smile makes you smile. His happiness makes you happy. Losing a Charlie is the hardest thing that could ever happen to you. Charlie is not an easy Perelson to get over. Perelson. (laughs) Perelson. Okay, next. I can't believe there are times in our lives when you don't have a Charlie. I can't believe there are mornings when he don't wake up next to you. I can't believe there are evenings when you haven't kissed him goodnight. I can't believe there were days when you didn't think of Charlie and jokes you didn't share with him. He will become a part of you and 
who you are, and you should be so thankful for it. <laughs> People have hey. w- like weird time on their hands. Yeah, this is. I'm concerned I about these writers. I don't understand this even at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Charlie will often hide his sad feelings in front of people to make them happy. He usually stays up all night to play with his friends. He is referred to by Prince Charming, Knight I'm Shining Armor, Mark, <laughs> or Mark the Marker. What? Um. He has a nice girlfriend and will always be there for you if you need him. He teases and make fun of you in a nice way. He's a shy boy. Ha ha ha. He likes memes and making people laugh. He likes to also shatter his friends with compliments. Shatter. shatter. <laughs> I also like, like to shatter my friends with compliments. <laughs> like, does Charlie mean the opposite of fuckboy in, like, one yeah, is that what they're trying in, to like, say? South Korea, I... and so they are <laughs> updating Urban Dictionary, and we just, as North Americans, don't understand. Maybe. North American elder millennials <laughs> are <laughs> not keeping up at all. <laughs> there are varying definitions. We'll get to a couple different ones. Okay. A Charlie is normally quite tall and popular, and most people know him. You should be so lucky to date a Charlie. He is the most handsome, hot guy around. I love Charlie. So, wow. like, not a Chad. I, th- I guess so. Opposite of a Chad. Okay. Or here's this different definition. Charlie is an easily annoyed and confused unicorn that is always being pestered <laughs> oh, by yes. a purple unicorn and a pink unicorn. I've watched those videos. They've taken Charlie to Candy, Candy Mountain, Mountain and stole his kidney, taken him to the Banana King and robbed him, taken him into the ocean and broke his horn off and tried to blow up the moon with him on it. Yep. Anything that sings to Charlie will explode. I feel like I've eaten a pot brownie that I thought was a regular brownie. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, I know all yeah, these internet Amanda's like, oh, I've seen that. What? <laughs> you have like definitely you seen first... it. <laughs> no, I have not. I, I <laughs> No, I have it. not. <laughs> it's like when you both candy started, Charlie. Started doing Animal Crossing, and I was just like, "What are they talking about?" It slipped me hallucinogenic. Or like in the office when Andy is having the like film club with Jim and Pam, and they're talking over him, and he's like, "They're seeing things that I just can't see." God. Well, here's my favorite definition of Charlie. Quote, always a cutie with a big cock. (laughs) I feel like, okay, so it's generally an archetype of the opposite of this, of our fan pickers experience. Cutie with a booty. I guess. So I also compiled a list of my favorite example sentences from Urban Dictionary. Quote, I'd sell an arm and a leg and also probably a kidney just to live another lifetime with Charlie. Wow. Quote, I love Charlie's big dick. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Wow, look at him. He's so handsome and tall. Cocaine addict number one. Is Charlie with you? Cocaine (laughs) addict number two. Yes, he's in the men's toilet. 
Oh, that'll do it. <laughs> Only cocaine addicts say this. <laughs> Not cocaine curious. Having known and maybe dated a couple of those, I don't know if they say this either. <laughs> I've got to be real with you. This is my favorite example. Quote, I'm only dating Charlie to be more social, with actually back, which actually backfired because he's not letting me flirt with others at work. I'm not in love with Charlie because we have nothing in common, but I'm scared to be alone at this point, and he keeps me up. Oh, my God. I mean, relatable. <laughs> also, no casual... one should stop you from flirting at work. Just yeah. a casual okay. flirt oh, work, at work. That work is, is what the work only is place for. you're, like, super allowed to flirt. I right. flirt with you two all the fucking yeah. time. Yeah. That's yeah. what work is for. We had a whole episode where we were all topless. <laughs> yep. 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 I totally forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. Did Corey come in and show his butt? Yes, he did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember it well. Our nudist episode. And the last example sentence. Look, Charlie, we found Candy Mountain. Dear God, not again. <laughs> Don't bring me down this hole. <laughs> okay. So, moving on. There are two specific Charlies that I will tell you about today in order to beef up my ridiculous segment. Because, obviously... I need all the help I can get. Yeah, this is this was not an easy one for your second. She's a mess. <laughs> She's a mess. <laughs> okay, so this first one I'm going to give a trigger warning for. It's a little bit intense. Oh god, okay. So, I'm going to tell you about Charlie Chopoff, um. an unidentified American serial killer who murdered four children and attempted to murder one other. Oh my okay. god. Charlie Chopoff. All of the victims were male, and the majority involved genital mutilation or attempted genital mutilation. So here's a little thing from Wikipedia. On March 9th, 1972, eight-year-old Douglas Owens was found dead, stabbed 38 times. Oh, my God. Baby muffin. penis had been cut but not severed from his body. Oh, my God. On April 20th, another black youth was repeatedly stabbed. His genitals were severed from his body, although he did survive his injuries. On October 23rd, nine-year-old Wendell Hubbard was stabbed to death on the roof of an East Harlem tenement block. His penis had also been severed from his body. This sounds like... I mean, not exactly, but it sounds like the Atlanta monster. I was just going to say, like, what the fuck? Well, this is in New York, but yes. On March 7th, 1973, a nine-year-old child named Luis Ortiz was stabbed 38 times and likewise mutilated. Finally, on August 17th, 1973, eight-year-old Stephen Cropper was repeatedly slashed with a razor on the roof of a tenement block. He bled to death from an injury to his arm, although the rest of his body was left intact. After a botched abduction attempt in May of 1974, police arrested Erno Soto in connection with the crimes. There's a photo on the drive that'll be on the blog of um, an illustration of this guy. Soto had been in and out of the Manhattan State Hospital since 1969, and he ended up confessing to Cropper's murder. That was the last one. His surviving victim told investigators that Soto did look like his attacker, attacker, but he didn't positively identify him. And the police didn't have a whole lot of actual evidence. Mm. Um, there was like one anonymous eyewitness, but like no like fingerprints and 
bloody knife and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plus, this guy was like acutely mentally unstable. So rather than stand Don't trial, say. Yeah. yeah, I'm shacked. So yeah. rather than stand trial, he was just sent back to a mental institution. So t- we still don't know for sure who Charlie Chopoff was. Did Ugh. he stay in the mental institution until he died? Was he ever released? I don't think so. I'm so I don't oof. think he was released. Okay. Not a lot oof. of information out there about this guy, actually. Yeah. Okay. So that was a quick turn. And so Ooh, my last. Imagine being like, what fucking daily news New York Post headline writer came up with Charlie, Charlie Chopoff? That's psychotic. A child mutilator yeah, and murderer. That's gross. Yeah, it's really gross. That's some fucking. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No thanks. So my last Charlie is a much less brutal story, but it also involves a dead child. <laughs> it's less brutal though. Love oh, a theme. <laughs> this oh. is Charlie the Skeleton. Oh my God. From Wikipedia. Okay. Charlie is the name given to a Neolithic skeleton of a three-year-old child found near the ancient stone circle of Avebury, Avebury, Wiltshire, England. Charlie was excavated from Windmill Hill, Avebury, <laughs> in the 1920s and is currently on display at the Alexander Keeler Museum at Avebury. And there is a picture on the drive that'll be on the blog of the skeleton. He's really cute. He is cute, all curled up. All curled up with his big old skull. He's so cute. There is a certain amount of controversy surrounding the display of the skeleton. The Council of British Druid Orders demanded that the skeleton be reburied where it was found or as near as is practically possible claiming that putting a skeleton in a museum as an attraction is disrespectful. Mm-hmm. The archaeological community fear that reburying Charlie will lead to a dangerous precedent being set. Historians have also argued that Charlie's skeleton should be kept in a museum so it's available for research. English Heritage and the National Trust held a public consultation on the future of Charlie, and in April 2010, the decision was made to keep the skeleton on public view. Hmm. A little famous Charlie. Okay. Oh. All right. He's just so cute. Sweet baby. Sweet angel. Sweet angel Charlie. He's in really good condition. He is. He looks great. Considering his age. Look at his teeth. <laughs> he looks phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That oh. Charlie is quite charming. So charming. actually. Yeah. Great mm-hmm. skeleton. Mm-hmm. So I, for one, am glad that Charlie is on display for educational and research purposes, but I totally understand mm-hmm. where the Council of British Druid Orders is coming from as well. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a heritage, it's a cultural thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, fuck chop off Charlie and love sweet Charlie the skeleton. Mm-hmm. And um that's really all I care to research about this particular topic. I'm so sorry, Andrina, but this was a little it's bit of a struggle for me. Hey, you nailed yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. You did. And we're gonna, you know, get to some other shitty Charlies oh, yeah. here. We'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, I think Kenyon's was quite long, so maybe this just leaves room for Mine is long, but it is bonks. Yeah. I'm so excited. I have kind of a bonks case today, too, and will go a little longer than my usual two yes. pages. Perfect. We nailed it then. We All right. really did. Quick word from our sponsors. Let's do it. 
When it comes to weddings, there are moments you'll always remember. And it's not just about walking down the aisle or cutting the cake. We didn't have cake. We had babka. Yeah, you did. It was delicious. There are a million little moments that like really stick with you. And those are the things that you want to remember the most. So like I just loved celebrating with all of my friends and family from around the world who came to South Africa and we got to do the Hora together, which oh, that was so fun. And you spilled so much red wine all over your dress. It was amazing. I sure did. It was amazing. <laughs> but in all the moments leading up to your wedding day, here is the most important thing to remember in the planning process. And that is Zola. Oh, yes. So whatever kind of wedding you're planning, Zola.com is the one place to start. They have got your back for all of your wedding needs. That is why over a million couples have planned their weddings with Zola. It is unbelievably easy. Kenyon used Zola for her wedding. Mm -hmm. And as a guest and a bridesmaid, mm -hmm. uh, it was just so, so easy to keep all of that information in one place. I feel like I helped you with some spreadsheets and things like that. And then when I got into your Zola account, I was like, oh my God, everything is here. It's so convenient. It's unbelievably convenient. If you're looking for a wedding venue, Zola will give you personalized recommendations. If you want an incredible and really simple gift registry, you'll find mm -hmm. everything you need from classic cookware to cash funds, mm -hmm. because it can be kind of awkward just being like, can you just give us money? But like, yeah. it's just so seamless and it's just, it's, it's, it could not be easier. Zola can even help you create stunning save the dates, invites, and a matching wedding website. Yours was like all this beautiful lush greenery mm -hmm. and everything was consistent across, like from the save the dates, the emails, the website. Oh, it was just so, so perfect. It worked out. It really did. And weddings can be really expensive, but planning with Zola never is. All of their planning tools are completely free to use. Mm -hmm. And it's not just free. It's risk-free. You can get free personalized samples of your invites so that you can try them out before you buy them. And of course, free envelopes and guest addressing. Hi. Very key. Crucial. Mm-hmm. So whatever your style or budget, Zola has you covered so you can think less about the million things you need to do and more about those million wedding moments that you'll always remember. So if you're planning your wedding, here is our tip. Start with Zola. Go to Zola.com slash gals today, G-A-L-S, and use the promo code SAVE50 for 50% 50 off your save the dates. Zola is the one place to start for your wedding day. That's Zola.com slash gals, code SAVE50. And treat your nuptials. Treat them. So we want to tell you all about one of our favorite podcasts and uh it's created by some friends of ours have you listened yet to affirmative murder so good so good so fun so affirmative murder is the true crime comedy podcast hosted by best friends and amateur couch detectives alvin williams and francelle evans uh i love following their social media too they make hilarious little like tiktoks and videos and they're just just great content all Just around. really good content. So join them every Monday for new episodes where they discuss everything from cold cases 
to why the McDonald's ice cream machines are always broken. They're not broken. No, they might just not. be filthy, but they're not broken. So mm-hmm. all of these and more mysteries of the universe. Uh, they like to focus on marginalized groups, which is excellent. Mm-hmm. And they, like I said, they're just hilarious. You have to give them a try. So if you like your true crime to feel like it's being discussed, like over party wings and margaritas, maybe in like a dimly lit chain restaurant. <laughs> yeah. But like in the best possible way, that's a compliment. It might not sound like one, but it is. <laughs> if you know, you know. If you know, you know. Uh, download Affirmative Murder wherever you listen to podcasts and follow them on social media. Their Twitter is at Affirmative Mur, M-U-R, and then the number one. And on Instagram, at Affirmative Murder Pod. All right, so this case is wild. Can't wait. Was it the fan pick or did I? Yeah, yeah it, it was. Okay, so this was the fan pick. Thank you for sending this. I had heard of this. I can't remember where I heard of it, but I had never done like a deep dive into this guy's case and wowza. Okay, so Carl, uh, who went by Charlie, Brandt was born on February 23rd, 1957. He was the second child of Herbert and Ilsa Brandt. His parents were German, gluten-free immigrants. <laughs> you don't say Herbert and Ilsa were German. <laughs> yeah. Who had originally settled in Texas, but were soon, like, f- moving around all the time around the U.S. because Herbert's job required that they relocate often. I couldn't find out what he did, so let's just go with the obvious that he was a door-to-door glockenspiel salesman. (laughs) Obviously. Yeah, so obviously lots of travel. As a result, young Charlie and his older sister Angela attended, or maybe Angela, (laughs) Merkel, (laughs) attended multiple different schools throughout their childhood, Charlie was known to be really intelligent, but he was also really shy and had a hard time adjusting to all these new environments that he was thrust into, which, like, that would be really hard. Like, you know, army brats. Yeah, no. for sure. It's, mm-hmm. it's, that would just be hard. In January of 1971, the family was living in beautiful Fort Wayne, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> mm, I know it well. Never, ever been there. <laughs> I know it anywhere. <laughs> Ilsa had since given birth to two more daughters uh, who were both still infants. So there was a, a bit of an age gap between the kids. And she was also currently eight months pregnant. So about to have her fifth mm. child. Then just one night, Herbert and Ilsa were both in their house's primary bathroom. I believe it was an ensuite bathroom. Herbert was shaving. Ilsa was taking a bath. They were just kind of like winding down for the yeah. night. When 13-year-old Charlie entered the room carrying his father's handgun. Oh, my God. Oh which no. was kept in a dresser drawer in the parents' bedroom. Okay, not great. Get a safe. Yep. It, I mean, it was 1971. Yeah, they had safes. I know they had safes, but like, <laughs> saves. Yeah. People are still fucking stupid about mm-hmm. taking, 
you know, precautions for their guns around kids now. And right. I feel like in the 70s, they fucking anything went. It they was the wild seat belts. West. It was the 60s and the 70s. <laughs> it was the wild Midwest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was hard to find a dresser drawer without a gun in it, unsecured. Right. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So out of nowhere, 13-year-old Charlie just waltzes in. His dad is shaving. His pregnant mom is taking a bath, relaxing. No. And out of nowhere, he shot both of his parents at point blank range. Jesus oh my Christ. God. Somehow, Herbert survived. Um, I don't know where on the body he was shot, but like anywhere on your body shot at point blank range is not great. Not great. Right. But his mother, Ilsa, and her unborn child were both killed instantly. Then, immediately after firing at his parents, and so Herbert is, you know, he survives, but, like, he's down. Charlie went, like, down the hall to 15-year-old Angela's room and tried to shoot her as well, but he couldn't get the gun to fire again. Oh, my fucking God. Yeah. What a psycho. Well, there's so much more. Oh, good. So... He can't he can't fire the gun, but he's already tried to fire the gun and she's heard the other gunshots. Right. So she knows shit is up. So instead, he lunged at her and attempted to strangle her. Oh, my God. But she's two years older than him and she managed to push him off. And then Angela just like fucking the poise and calm under pressure and just the ingeniousness of this was able to calm him down and, like, convinced him that she was on his side and she was going to help him figure out what to do. And, like, he didn't need to kill her just wow. to, like, get, you know, to end, to make oh her not talk. God, to get away. Right. So she would later describe Charlie as being in a, quote, trance-like state when he entered her room that night. And then he only broke out of it after she succeeded fighting him off. So she was like, it was like he was like possessed or like a zombie. Weird. He just was Ew. like in kill mode. Yeah. It makes you wonder what was going on. Mm-hmm. So she convinced him after snapping him out of this trance to leave the house with her and seek help from the neighbors. And I think they literally like left the house and she was like leading him and like holding his hand. And they left the house and knocked on a neighbor's door. And then Charlie told the adult neighbor, quote, I just shot my mom and dad. Uh, Oh, oh. can you imagine scarier words coming out of the mouth of a child? No. Well, good for the sister. Jesus. Can you imagine? No. 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 And she's she's only 15. Yeah. She's a child. Yeah. Yeah. So when he was questioned by police about the events of that night, he said, quote, everything sort of snapped in my mind. I felt like I never felt before. It was like I was sort of programmed to do it. Uh, nope. Okay. Don't, don't like, like that. that. Yeah. Hard pass. The brain is so fucking bizarre. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Just like weird electrical misfirings m- that are lump. Yeah. The Ew. difference between <laughs> life and death. Yeah. You're between one neck murder. crack away from being a banana. Let me tell you. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Like don't fucking crack your neck. 
Also, they let us drive cars. I just, oh. I'll never, I'll never get over it. I mean, I'll never get over anyone letting you drive a car for sure. <laughs> it's also my favorite thing when you drive a car. <laughs> I've only it's, ridden the car with me like twice in the last fifteen years. It that is sticks enough in the mind. times. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's an experience. It's a life-changing experience. I'm not that bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Charlie also brought up to police an incident that had happened just a few days before. Because I'm sure they were like, why'd you do it, Charlie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So he and his father had gone out hunting together during the family's winter vacation to Florida. And Herbert had shot and killed the family dog, mm. which I'm I'm presuming was an accident because it didn't I didn't read anything about there being abuse in the home or like, you know, because killing a family pet in front of a child is could like definitely be an abuser. Oh, yeah. Move. yeah. But I didn't read anything about that including like from Angela. Mm-hmm. So I think it was an accident, but but it's Charlie still traumatizing to maybe varying degrees, but like Oh, big time. Jesus. Oh, super traumatizing. Um and Charlie was 13 and he witnessed it just a few days before he then snapped. Snapped. So do with that what you will. Brant he was too young to be tried for murder in Indiana, not even like too young to be tried as an adult, but Just like too young, literally too young to be tried for murder. Because he's what wow. five? No, he's thirteen. He's thirteen. Oh, that's right. That's right. I thought the sister was thirteen. Sorry. Um, and so the grand jury determined that he was not criminally responsible for his actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, they also cautioned that he was at risk of hurting others again if he didn't receive psychiatric treatment. And so he spent no shit. Yeah. One year in a psychiatric facility. So until he w- I think, you know, there was some time passed. So I think when he was like 15 when he was released mm-hmm. before being released back into the care of his family, literally just one year. Wow. Yeah. So the family never spoke. Of the incident afterwards. What? Never? Nope. What the fuck? Until- I mean, that's not how you process trauma, but okay. Well, again, it's the fucking 70s. I know, but still, it makes me sad. But it's not good, and we will get to it. So they never spoke about it. Remember, he has two, like, inf- like baby sisters. Sibling, yeah. Yeah. Who were, you know, literal infants when this happened, so they have no fucking recollection of it happening. And if the family never spoke of it. Right. And they were too young to remember him being in a facility for a year. Mm-hmm. How would they ever fucking know that it happened? Oh, my God. Mm. Can you imagine finding that out about yeah. your sibling years later? So they never knew. And <sighs> they his younger sisters just believed that their mother had been killed in a car accident. Oh, my God. So not only did they never talk about it, they actively made up a, a lie. To explain the mom being dead, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. Okay. So by the time that Charlie was released from the psychiatric facility, his father had remarried and moved to Florida full time. And so Charlie, when he was released, lived together with his father, his new stepmother. Uh, What a a treat for her. (laughs) 
And all of his siblings, so all of his his three sisters with his deceased mom, for only a year before his dad, Herbert, decided to move in with his wife and two younger daughters back to Indiana and then left Charlie and Angela in the care of their grandparents. Hmm. And I don't know if that was like for work and the older kids wanted to stay in the school, school and, yeah. and like be with their friends. If there was like some sort of logical explanation that like sometimes families have to do this, you know, mm-hmm. or if it was like a weird thing that just compounded mm-hmm. trauma. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But Charlie and poor fucking Angela are staying in the care of their grandparents where they spent the remainder of their teenage years. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, I'm burping. She's excited. So after high school, Charlie received a degree in electronics and found a job working as a radar specialist for the aerospace and defense division of Ford Motor Company. Dang. Okay. Wow. And also like. Good job. We're getting our shit on track. Yeah. Yeah. He was a smart kid. He finished high school. He got this good degree. He got this good job. His crime happened when he was so young that it's not like it was on his permanent record. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's no it's way. It's crazy to me that, like, I agree with their decision not to try him necessarily at the age of 13. But, like, you see cases now with young people who are criminalized by the system mm-hmm. that are tried for much lesser things than mm-hmm. murder at the age, at ages of, uh, you know, similar, like, 13, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. I just can't imagine that happening today, I guess. I think maybe more ongoing psychiatric care and monitoring would have been called for. Right, right. Like, maybe, I don't know, unless you're there working with the person directly, like, how can you say, like, he should have been kept in a full-time psychiatric facility for longer? Right. Maybe Mm -hmm. not. Maybe it did make sense. Yeah, maybe he got exactly what he needed. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? he didn't. We will get to it. But, like, you know, you you don't know until you're, like, dealing with that person. But, like, Mm -hmm. definitely fucking checking in on this person. Yeah. Doesn't sound like he got any kind of therapy after he got out. Yeah. Oh, All God. of a sudden he gets out. He has a new mom yeah. and like and no one talks like, about it. And you have to lie to your kid sisters and then your dad and your new mom piss leave. off. And then you're there. <laughs> like, oh, my so God. Up. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm going to venture a guess that shit goes down again. Oh, yeah. So <sighs> and it's really dark and horrible. So in 1986. Charlie married a woman named Teresa Helfrick, and she went by the name Terry. Before the marriage, his sister Angela and her husband, Jim, had reached out to Charlie to advise him that he should not go forward with it without first confiding in Terry that he'd murdered his mom. You know, they were like, look, if you're going to marry, like, we like Terry. If you're going to get married, you have to be 100% honest with your wife. You can't have that secret. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. You got to tell her. But it's unknown whether or not he heeded their advice and whether Terry knew this information Mm -hmm. either before or after she married him. And we will get to it in more detail. There are some signs that she didn't know fucking anything, and then there are other signs that maybe she she did know mm. and was, like, Terry. keeping very mum about it. Uh-oh. Like everyone fucking else. Yeah. So 
The couple moved into a house on Big Pine Key in the Florida Keys. Gorgeous. Gorge. I know. I'm jealous. Uh, So he continued working for Ford Aerospace. Which I never thought about, like, Ford Motor Company working in aerospace. Can you imagine just your husband's truck just flying (laughs) in space? (laughs) Just with, like, wings flapping. (laughs) My God, he'd be so excited. (laughs) He'd be so excited. He'd never come back to Earth. (laughs) Think of how many haystacks he could fit in the back of that thing. he gone. (laughs) He just loves cosplaying as, like, a rural person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I noticed when he was in Iowa. Yeah. In he his say, Mustang convertible. It's a bad day to be a bush light. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my God. Okay. <laughs> so the husbands. So his job with Ford Aerospace required him to travel regularly, much like a Glockenspiel salesman. <laughs> <laughs> so It's all falling into place. People who knew Charlie and Terry as a couple would later say that they seemed like the perfect couple. They had lots Mm. of common interests. They seemed like really connected with one another. Cute pics on Facebook. Uh Uh-huh. According to one source, quote, they often did things for each other that made the other feel good. One of those things was that they would make their lunches for each other because lunch tasted better when it was made by one who loved you. Ick. Lunch tastes better when it's made by a woman. <laughs> well, no, it's like he made her lunch for I her. Know, it I know. Probably sucked. <laughs> I, it's so foreign to me. To- a bologna sandwich is a bologna sandwich, no matter how you spread it. Mm. <laughs> Let me tell you. So then in early September of 2004, so they've been married a, a long while. time. Yeah. They got married in 1986. Yeah. The couple were forced to evacuate their home in preparation for Hurricane Ivan's landfall. Mm. The one downside of living in the Florida Keys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry's niece, though, Michelle, uh, invited them to stay with her in her house near Orlando. And Michelle Jones was a 37-year-old, like, successful TV executive. She had a big house. She had plenty of space to put them up. She wasn't far. They could, like you know, drive up and stay with her and and just kind of ride out the hurricane. It's a good situation. Absolutely. Unless you're a fucking murderer that no one's talking about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She was also, Michelle was close with Terry, so her aunt. Mm. Terry is her, is Michelle's mother's sister. Okay. But Terry is also only eight years older than her niece. Mm-hmm. So they were more like cousins or siblings. Yeah, exactly. They had kind of like a sisterly or close cousin type relationship Mm -hmm. more so than aunt and niece. They were very they were good friends. So Michelle had also always liked Charlie. He had been in her life for a very long time. You know, she found him a bit quiet and like a little eccentric, but she liked him. They didn't have any issues or problems. Mm -hmm. He didn't freak her out. No, not the pervy uncle. Right, exactly. It seemed like everything was completely fine. And she was excited to host them until the storm passed. She, like, literally told other family members that she was glad that they were coming to stay with her. Mm -hmm. So on the evening of September 13th, 
11 days after Charlie and Terry's arrival, which like, God bless anyone who will host someone for 11 days. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, even in a hurricane. Two my house is, is not the one many. to go to. No. <laughs> it is not hospitable here. So this was actually the day that they had originally been scheduled to leave before deciding to stay an extra night. And I don't know why they decided that. It might have been the weather. It might have just been they were having such a good time. I don't know. One of Michelle's friends was supposed to come over for a visit that night. However, Michelle called her and dissuaded her from coming last minute because Terry and Charlie, she said, had had a little bit too much to drink and they were in an argument. Uh-oh. So Michelle was like, never mind, don't come over. Like, my aunt and her It's awkward are, over here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So after that night, Michelle stopped responding to phone calls from friends and from her mother, who she was always normally in very regular contact with. So it was unlike oh, her to not pick up an answer. I don't like that. Worried, another one of her friends, Debbie Knight, went over to the house to check on her. As she approached the home, she was on the phone with Michelle's mom, ready to update her on her daughter's well-being. So it sounds like Michelle's mom, Mary Lou, called her her daughter's friend and was like, can you just run over and check because she's not picking up her phone. When no one answered the front door, which was locked, the friend walked around to the garage and she peered through the window and saw Charlie Brandt's body hanging from the rafters with a bed sheet. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. So the friend called the police, obviously. When they arrived, they entered the house and found the bodies of both Terry and Michelle. Terry had been stabbed seven times in the chest while she lay on the couch. (gasps) So probably no warning, you know. It wasn't like... It wasn't like there was an altercation and she was stabbed. It was like she probably was asleep or like just chilling on the couch. Yeah. Michelle's body was in her bedroom and just prepare prepare yourselves. This is really bad. She had been decapitated and <gasps> disemboweled. Oh my god. What? No. Oh, how old was she again? She was 34. 37? Let me see. 37. All of her organs had been removed and her head had been placed next to the rest of her body. No. Like positioned. Uh, That's not. Nope. Nope. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Jesus Mm -mm. Christ. So the murder weapons were determined to have been knives from Michelle's own kitchen. Mm-hmm. All three bodies were locked inside the house, and there was no sign of break-in or any sort of struggle. Wow. So it's obviously someone who was there. He he just likes to sneak attack. He just yeah. went robotic again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to know what sets this guy off. Mm-hmm. Women. Yeah. yeah. Investigators determined that Charlie Brandt had committed both murders and then died by suicide, died by hanging mm-hmm. himself. Oh my God, I just realized I know someone named Charlie Brandt. What? Like, this sounds so familiar. <laughs> Who do you know named Charlie Brandt? <sighs> a girl I Charlie to- Brandt. My a- friend Charlie Brandt. <laughs> a, girl, a girl I went to college with na- married someone named that. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Good for her. Anyway. So I should check on her. Yeah. So at first, this seemed this whole fucking murder-suicide scenario 
seemed completely baffling to folks that knew any of these people. Initial news coverage described a shocking murder-suicide in a family where no one had ever seen any previous indications of violence. That is, until Charlie's sister Angela came forward and told police about her brother's past. Oh, his, God. His juvenile... Re- I'm a, I think Herbert was had died by this point, so he wasn't around to, like, testify. I don't know. Angela was the one that came forward. Charlie's juvenile records had been sealed, and no one who knew him as an adult, besides his sister and her husband, had any idea about his previous murder and attempted murders. Oh, my God. God, this is so gross. Um, This would also mark the first time that his two younger sisters, who were now in their 30s, would, would learn the truth about their mother's death. Oh, the trauma, honey. The trauma. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm just like clutching my face listening to this. Yeah. So Michelle's parents, Mary Lou and Bill, have stated repeatedly that they do not believe that Charlie ever told his wife, Terry, about his past. Mm -hmm. Bill explained, quote, I don't think she would have married him, period, at all, had she known. They also have publicly expressed anger at both Angela and Herbert for allowing Charlie to keep his violent past a secret from mm-hmm. most people in his life. Mary Lou also claims that Angela confided in her after Terry and Michelle's murders and that uh, confided in her after the murders that she had been terrified of her brother for years. Mm. Quote, Angela said that she was glad that Charlie had, and this is her words, committed suicide because now she could sleep at night. Oh my God! For some, I don't blame her. That's just so sad. I know. For some twenty years, she would not allow the air conditioner to run, the windows to be open and unlocked in her home because she was afraid. She was afraid Charlie would come back to kill her. Oh, can you even? Her brother being afraid that he felt like he might have had like unfinished business with her. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, Mm -hmm. I just got chills. Which, Ugh. like, could equally be a very valid fear or a very a trauma valid response. trauma response. Yep, yeah, exactly. A thousand percent. I just feel so terrible that she has lived this way for so long. Yeah. However, Angela's now ex-husband Jim, uh, Jim Graves, who was close to both Charlie and Terry, believes that Terry was, in fact, aware of her husband's past. He recalls that, quote, after they got married and I went down to visit them, I asked them when they were going to have kids. And she told me, considering everything, that she didn't think it was a good idea. Hmm. That could account for other things. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely sus. The, the words considering everything. I mean, I say that. <laughs> and then just gesture at the world. <laughs> right. Considering everything. everything. All of this shit. <laughs> right. But yeah. <laughs> right. But... That's what he believes. He believes that Terry was aware. Mm -hmm. And didn't want to, like, pass on whatever psychological trait might be lying dormant in her husband. Or put her children in danger. In danger, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So he interpreted this comment as a reference to Charlie's murder of his mother. Jim would later recall other conversations he'd had with Terry that would prove to be instrumental in trying to piece together the full extent of Charlie Brandt's crimes. Even more disturbingly, the condition of Michelle's body had led investigators to believe 
that Brandt may have had experience dismembering a body. <gasps> what? What He's the fuck? Off Charlie. No. When they searched his home in the Keys, they also found records of him regularly searching online for snuff films and autopsy photos. Uh, Which, like, same, I mean, but only I for We have a podcast. It's for work. <laughs> it is for work. I don't actually want to see literally it. literally for work. There's a difference. Yeah. <laughs> she rationalized anxiously. I, to oh, the I want them to be blurred <laughs> out. I don't want to see it. Right. Yeah. It's for the blog. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw so, Andrea under the bus. So she needed photos for the blog. <laughs> Andrea made us do it. Hi, Andrea. I would also do anything Andrea asked. Oh, anything, <laughs> anything question. at all. She I has would, us wrapped around her yeah, finger. We would die for you. Anyway, continue. <laughs> so more cryptically, they also found diaries that Terry had kept, and I think that these are a bit of a stretch, but. Let's talk about them anyways. Oh, Great. I love a dear diary moment. Dear diary. I love a good stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Let's so, speculate wildly about Terry's personal writing. Hell mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so in the words of the lead investigator on the case, quote, they weren't detailed writings. They were just something very simple from went fishing, caught a good blue bull dolphin. I don't know. Sorry, I'm fucking this up. Saw my um, husband a dismember a body. Blue dolphin. I don't know. Bull Bottle nose. I don't know. Blue horn. <laughs> <laughs> nice dinner with Charlie. Boat ran out of gas. Buy steaks for dinner. We only found a couple of interesting notations and those were, quote, weird day. But there's nothing more specific and we have no idea what occurred to cause her to write that. Okay. So I think that's a bit of a stretch, but like one possible interpretation of her Mm -hmm. writing that in her diary was like, Weird, I found out my husband killed his mother. Yeah, or like he's being really weird and off and robotic. I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then more interestingly, Terry's diaries also noted nights when Charlie stayed out late, sometimes even all night. Don't love that. Don't love that. It makes you wonder if there are more... Yeah. Mm-hmm. If there's like an Israel Keys situation happening here. Oh, yep. my God. So working under the assumption that Brandt had likely killed before, police combed through a list of cold cases for ones that they could match to Brandt's M.O., mm-hmm. which like they're not going to exactly match to his M.O. because his M.O. was literally killing his own family. Yeah, go but, wild in the night and shoot yeah. your mom. Right. Also to his like work travel records, along with like cross-checking the dates that Terry noted him being gone with Mm. no explanation. Yeah. Like it's one thing if like your partner, you know, likes to party and you're okay with it and they like stay out till 3 a.m. occasionally like with their friends. Fine. This is how deeply suspicious I am all the time. So (laughs) Bill made me a surprise birthday video. Mm-hmm. For my birthday this year. It's mm-hmm. super cute. I love it. And he had to like go off site to do it. And he told me that he was doing a video shoot for uh, some shop. And I didn't really think about it too much. But like, because he does that for work. But like one thing he said was weird. And I was like, well, where is it? <laughs> what 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 store is it? What food do they have there? Like, and he couldn't give me answers. And Andrea, our friend <laughs> slash 
our producer was staying with me that weekend and Bill left and I turned to her and I was like, what is he doing? Like, he's, <laughs> he's, tell, lying. Tell, he's lying. What is he doing? And she's like, I can't tell you. And I was like, is he proposing? He's proposing, isn't he? Oh my God. And just like losing my shit. He, he was making me a birthday. He was making me a birthday He video. wasn't proposing. He soups wasn't proposing. <laughs> but like one off thing. So can you imagine if Bill just didn't come <laughs> home for a night? I know I, I don't I, get it. I, I couldn't do accept not get one it. strange inflection in his voice in the explanation of something he does commonly for work. And yeah. I wouldn't let it go. <laughs> Good. For like weeks. You should have. He finally showed me this video. And I was like, oh, you don't know. He could have been a murderer. He could have murdered his I real mom. And his, and his yeah. mom that you've met is actually a secret stepmom. You don't know. You don't if know. That's, if that's the case, Maybe. she's done a wonderful job. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I don't really get the staying out all night without any explanation repeatedly thing. Can't, I can't. couldn't live in that marriage, but we hear about it time and time again. Mm-hmm. So the police ultimately looked into him in connection with 26 no. unsolved murders in Florida. No. Oh my God. Dating back to <gasps> 1973. And the fucker had the audacity to end his own life so that we couldn't, like, really get to the bottom of this shit. Well, I mean, we don't know that he... They looked at him in connection to these unsolved cases. I know, that's what I mean. And now he's gone and we can't actually, like, confirm any of this. Right. Ugh! It proved extremely difficult to prove anything beyond tenuous connections. With Ugh. one exception. Oh, here we go. It was the 1989 murder of 38-year-old Sherry Parisho. Sherry was unhoused and spent most of her time living on a dinghy in Big Pine Key, only mm. about a thousand feet from their home. Good. Okay. God. So I'm telling you, it's always somebody that you like know in passing. Yeah. Like, don't have any acquaintances. Not yep. like having friends is safe either, though. So be a recluse. Yeah, I don't leave my house, so. I'd finger you guys. Mm. <laughs> we know. And have. <laughs> we know. <laughs> we know. <laughs> we know. <laughs> Loyalty, you have many wonderful qualities. <laughs> but, like. Not yeah. one of them. <laughs> not one of them. I don't um, go to hell. You are Catholic. It's not your fault. Yeah. <laughs> You're not a ride or die bitch. <laughs> yeah. If I need to bury a body, it's Kenyon, yeah. Scott, and Courtney that With I'm her calling. back. Well, I would, I'm I'd inviting be the Scott. Lookout. I'd yeah. help. Blortney is saddled with children. Scott yeah, has bad ankles and Kenya yeah, has a bad back. They wouldn't tell. They wouldn't tell. Courtney they would help clean. They wouldn't tell. You'd crack. I in don't a think week. I'd tell. I just you'd elude. Crack. You'd yeah, you crack. would crack. <laughs> Can you imagine the disruption one of us committing a murder would be to your routine and how off that would throw you? <laughs> You're Can right. You even it's imagine? not worth it. It's, it's really not worth, not worth it. it. You'd lose your fucking mind. Yeah, I would. You're right. When yeah, you're right, honey. you're right. I know. <laughs> we wouldn't burden you with that. We would never. We would Thank never. Thank you. You guys are such good friends. <laughs> okay. So. I'm not going down for this. <laughs> Back to this gruesome, horrible murder of this poor unhoused woman who oh, right. wasn't hurting anyone and just became a victim of this absolutely psychotic man. So Sherry was discovered 
with her throat slashed and her head nearly severed. There we go. And her heart removed. Oh. Don't like that. The disemboweling. Yeah. And she's checking some boxes. She's a 38-year-old woman. And Michelle's a 37-year-old woman. And how old was mom? Mom, In her 30s, probably? Probably. I mean, she had a 15-year-old, and then she also had some babies. So mm-hmm. probably late 30s would, yeah. would some, make sense. Some's not right. Yeah. I don't like it. Jim Graves, who um, is his sister Angela's ex-husband, mm-hmm. would come forward and tell police that Terry had confided in him at the time of that murder. So they'd been married for like three years. You know, this murder happened. It happened very close to their home. And Terry told her brother-in-law that she suspected her husband. <gasps> what? Well, that is a big, that's a big tell. Yeah. So it's unclear why she didn't go to the police with this information. Jim didn't go to the police with this information. I'm assuming he fucking told Angela. We def have a theme in our cases. Yeah. Did you do the like, same thing again? Deadly loyalty. No. Um. So nobody fucking went to the police with this information. Maybe Jim didn't believe Terry. Maybe Terry started to like doubt herself. But she told Jim that she had come downstairs on the night of the murder to find Charlie covered in blood. Um. And when she asked him what he'd been doing, he claimed to have been filleting fish. No. No. Uh, fish don't have that, that much blood. Much blood. Yeah. They just don't. Also, that's like the scene out of Mystic River, too. Yeah. You don't need to be Sean Fitzgerald to know how much blood fish have, okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. not, also, why are you flying fish it. in the middle of the night? Why are yeah, you such a fucking weirdo? Where were you last Thursday? What the fuck is your deal? <laughs> <laughs> why did you kill your mom? I don't even like fish. <laughs> yeah, don't pretend you're doing this for me, hoss. So based on Jim's recollection of this conversation and the fact that Charlie matched a description that was given at the time of a man seen crossing the street where near where uh, Parisho's body was found, investigators determined that Brandt had killed her and they closed that case in 2006, definitively said he killed Sherry Parisho. Oh, my God. Holy shit. So Jim has also stated that he regrets not paying more attention to warning signs when it came to Charlie Brandt and has recalled another conversation in interviews with the press in which he and Charlie were, quote, having a few beers after fishing all day and everything. I was just really despondent. Somehow we started talking about revenge. (gasps) Oh, my good God. Well, you know, you get your feelings hurt and want to lash out. And I believe he looked at me and said, quote, if you well, if you really want to get revenge, you should kill somebody and cut their heart out. Okay. And it really creeped me out at the time. And well, quote. yeah. If you yeah. really want to get revenge, you should go fillet some fish at three in the morning in the uh-huh. middle of the night. Your wife doesn't even like fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fish don't even have that much blood. You don't even need to be a fisherman to know. We're experts. Fish don't even have that much much blood. blood. (laughs) Call Dateline, Keith Morrison. Here we go. And you can take that to the bank. Take that to the The riverbank. 
the riverbank. Listen, I'm the new Keith Morrison. It is decided. The thing about Charlie. Or as Lucy calls him, Keith Richards. Keith Richards. Keith Richards. <laughs> oh my God, it's Keith Richards. At Crime Con, when she goes, oh my God, it's Keith Richards. And I'm like, go, I, I don't guarantee think so. you it's not Keith Richards. <laughs> I will eat my own ham if that is Keith Richards. I'm pretty sure he heard me too. Because oh, my stage yeah. whisper is a it's stage bad. whisper. <laughs> it's a loud one. So it's Shakespearean. <laughs> okay, so Sherry Parisho's murder is the only one that has been definitively tied to Brandt, besides, you know, those of his family. But he is suspected in several others, including the 1978 death of 12 year old Carol Sullivan, who was abducted from a school bus stop. Her oh, skull no. was later found in a bucket. Uh, so, like, she had been decapitated. Oh. And Brant was living nearby at the time, but couldn't be tied to it in any other way. Like, specifically. Jesus Christ. Also to the 1988 murder of 20-year-old Lisa Saunders, who was beaten and stabbed and later found with her heart missing in Big Pine Key, Florida. No. He did that one. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So he was a fucking secret serial killer. Uh Uh-huh. And there's more. There's more. Great. Great. The 1995 murder of 38-year-old Darlene Toller, a sex worker from Miami whose body, missing both a head and a heart, Uh, Good God. was discovered near a stretch of highway that Brant regularly drove on for work. And even more damningly, a mileage log that he kept records 100 Mm. miles traveled on the day she went missing, which is the exact distance between Miami and Big Pine Key. So he went to Miami and picked up a sex worker and drove to Big Pine Key and murdered her. And kept a mileage log about it for tax purposes. Mm -hmm. What a freak. Killed her and got a write-off. Ish. Mm -hmm. So with nothing beyond circumstantial evidence, although some of it is like... He hardcore fucking yeah. he fucking did now, it he's dead we can say it he fucking did it mm-hmm. he did all those it seems unlikely that charlie brant will be officially declared responsible outside of this podcast for these other murders and his true number of victims will likely remain a mystery although this would be an amazing investigative podcast similar to true crime bullshit if somebody wanted to yeah track all of his shit suspected murders and like solve them officially oh my god what i've wow never heard of this terry and michelle's family have fought to have a law passed that would require that anyone who's ever killed another person be placed on a registry that is publicly available like even Mm -hmm. if they killed someone as a child Mm -hmm. i feel like that that's too much to ask i feel like we have a sex offender registry it's like I feel like that is a line that I would be okay with when it's a crime that violent violent to, like, keep track of that. Mm -hmm. Michelle's mother, despite Jim's recollections of conversations with Terry, has continued to express doubt that her sister was anything but totally ignorant of her husband's true nature. So Michelle's mother, Mary Lou, is Terry's sister, remember? Mm. So, Terry's sister, quote, it's just very hard for me to conceptualize that my sister could know something about a person who could do what Charlie did. If she knew that, could she have stayed with him? I don't know. I don't think so. 
In my heart, I don't believe so. I believe he had a covert evil nature, and I believe he was able to control it and cover it. He was an invisible criminal walking around. Ew. Well, this reminds me of Gary Ridgway. Yeah. Yeah. Or BTK. Yeah. Like these family, you know, I mean, I guess Charlie didn't have kids, but it, it, it's just like you really can hide certain aspects of yourself, especially if you have a way to like kind of sneak out and get your needs met. Yeah. Get your jollies off and to feel seem kind of normal at home. This yeah. one seems even more sinister to me because of his mother's murder and mm-hmm. the entire family just not fucking talking about it. I mean, push it down, baby. It was the 70s. Yeah, I know. But the, I don't know. It's this, this one seems even, even grosser to me. Well, yeah. because that can also like you can track the trauma and then the not dealing with the trauma to the continuation of violent behavior. Like, yep. that's just... Well, yeah, that's, like, how it works. Yeah, that's, like, how you make a serial killer and, like, we'll get to it. But I just yeah. hope Angela is okay and those Seriously. other sisters are okay and are getting help. I don't know. It's just so much. That is a lot. And, like, yeah. there's no right way to deal with your child shooting his mother and unborn child and the bathtub and killing them and also yeah. shooting his father but like right there's a I wrong way i just i i don't know i i'm not passing judgment on this family i just think that the way this all shook out was just it's just really sad. fucking it's really sad. fucking sad yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oof. and just a lot of completely innocent people lost yep, their lives suffered as a yeah. result yeah also, if a person was found with their heart cut out and their head cut off on the Anywhere specific near Florida. key in Florida, yeah. it was Charlie. Why How the were fuck there would three you not- people with organs cut out and heads cut off and they weren't like big pine key killer? Right. right. On Super the loose. seems like a pattern. I yeah. don't know. Someone and dropped the ball the- there. Yeah. I don't know. And especially in times like the 70s and 80s, obviously it wasn't the 70s, but the 80s and 90s when like satanic panic is a thing, Mm -hmm. like you'd think. In fairness, I didn't go through newspapers.com and and like Mm. comb the South Florida newspapers. uh, So maybe there was I don't know. Well, we do know that the cops didn't connect this shit before he was before he killed himself. Yeah, before he was dead. Yeah, before he died by suicide. Yeah. Ugh. Wow. 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 Yeah, wow, wow, it's wow, a wow. doozy. That is a, that's a, yep. And it deserves a, a serialized deep dive, I think. It really does. If one exists, I'd love to know about it. Mm-hmm. I haven't come across one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Anyway, so that is my case. Thank you, Fan Picker, for bringing that one to our attention. Yes. Damn. Good seriously. Job. That was Epic. gross. Well. Should we take a quick sponsor break and then get into more gross shit? Yeah, yes. let's do it. That's Our just job. what I want. Okay. Charlie Crimes, let's do it. Talk space. <laughs> <laughs> Not all work collaboration tools are created equal. Some help you organize your company's information. Others allow you to manage projects together. But Notion does both. It is one tool for your whole team to do it all and so beautifully designed that everyone will want to use it. It's really attractive, for one thing. 
So for companies of all sizes, Notion provides one central and customizable workspace that can be tailored to fit any team, big or small, and bring all teams together to get more done and to move faster. Notion is an all-in-one team collaboration tool that combines note-taking, document sharing, wikis, project management, and so much more into one space that is simple, powerful, and beautifully designed. Like so many people are working remotely, you don't always get that face-to-face contact with your colleagues to like collaborate and all that stuff. And the, the available tools out there, most of them are just an absolute headache, like you know, corporate tries to implement something and you're just like, what is this? Yeah, this doesn't work or this this feels like it was designed 10 years ago. Exactly. And it just kind of trickles down to like you and you're like, well, I don't know what I'm doing here. This, this could be so much better. And mm-hmm. that's what Notion is. So with powerful integrations and seamless navigation, you'll have everything you need in one spot so you can make speed your advantage without the silos and context switching that slow companies down. Plus, Notion has a worldwide network of millions of users creating templates, tutorials, and new inspiration. Like I said, it's really pretty and very powerful. This product is getting better all the time and you'll always have the support that you need. So find out how Notion may be the missing piece your team needs to grow, get more done, and delight everyone who uses it in the process. Learn more and get started for free at Notion.so. You can check it out on your own and invite as many folks as you want to see how it works. Take the first step towards an organized, happy team today, again, at Notion.so, and treat your work life. Treat it. All right, should we do this? Yeah. Choking on nuts over here. Classic. Just had to grab a quick handful of nuts. My doctor says I can't do any activities where balls fly at my nose. Well, there goes your social life. Your social life. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Are we ready for my case? No. Maybe. I don't know if you are. Is anyone decapitated? No. Oh, okay. But. But yeah. other other bad <laughs> shit. Other bad things. So today I'm going to be discussing the grossest man on earth, Charles. Donald Trump. Oh, Donald, yeah. I wish. <laughs> Second grossest Char- man on earth. Charles Schmid. 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 Uh, when you, you guys, checked, when you put in the thing, <laughs> no, so you told us the name so we wouldn't do the same one. And I thought it was a typo Legit, that you meant nope. Schmidt. Nope. Schmid. I just wow. schmid my pants. Seriously, pap schmid. Yuck. <laughs> this man's mugshot is... I Just go to the drive slash blog. I literally cannot describe the way this man's face makes me want to violently retch. What the fuck is... Ru- Wait, what? Don't ask uh, any questions yet because we'll get to it. Okay. I have answers for everything you are wondering. Okay. I promise you because <laughs> I had... All the same question. It does look like the collaging that we did at Courtney's yeah. baby shower. Yeah. The mole, the nose. It, we have answers for everything. There's make a, a lot going on. Make a on note here. to upload that photo of the collaging at, Cor- at Courtney's <laughs> baby, baby chowder. Seriously. <laughs> it baby, was baby chowder. Horrific. Baby chowder. Baby chowder. We made Yum. baby chowder in those collages-ish. Okay. <laughs> so like many horrible monsters throughout history, Charles had a rough childhood. Char- Charliehood. 
He was born in 1942 and placed for adoption. He was taken in by his adoptive parents, Charles and Catherine Schmid, so he's a Charles Jr., who owned and operated a nursing home in Tucson, Arizona. His relationship with his adopted father was strained, as was Catherine's relationship with Charles Sr., and the couple actually divorced when Charles was a teen. As many adopted children do, Charles sought out his birth mother when he became old enough to do so, but when he made contact with her, she was angry and turned him away, telling him to never contact her again. Trauma. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, this is incredibly traumatizing and sad. And I can have empathy for horrible people. And still. And I can that. I can have empathy for that mom too, that yep. birth mom being like all, you know, all the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody can be It's suffering. all a trauma response. Yep. Yep. So he struggled in school and very much like me, got by being well-liked and like kind of cute despite his mugshot. <laughs> like me. Like me. my mugshot. Similarly. <laughs> Skated by he, on his social skills. Yeah. Social <laughs> skills and white privilege alone. <laughs> he excelled in athletics, not like me, and participated in gymnastics where he also led his school's like high school team to a state championship. So he was like really fucking good. But he quit in his senior year and was suspended for stealing tools from the school's, like, shop class. He stole, like, welding tools or something. Okay. Quote, I quit out of boredom, he said. Mm-hmm. He was a real street tough. He was real cool. He never went back to finish his degree after his suspension. He moved into a little guest house on his family's property, and they provided him with an allowance of $300 a month, which is, like, $2,500 in, Amer- in, like, today's money. It's a That's lot a- of money. That's, yeah. A month? Yeah, and he lived in this, like, guest cottage on their property, so he didn't pay any rent. The fuck? That's a shit ton of money for anyone to live off of as, like, a single person without paying your rent. Fuck. Yeah. They also gave him a car, and he spent most of his days hanging out on Tucson's Speedway Boulevard, zipping around in his car or on his motorcycle. Must be nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Partying and picking up girls. He was a bit of a lover boy and altered his appearance to resemble Elvis Presley. Not going <gasps> to say he nailed it. I uh, forgot this guy. Yeah. Here's what yeah. he tried. He was a bit short, so he often wore cowboy boots stuffed with newspapers to gain a few inches. He had a daily beauty routine of jet black hair dye, lip balm, heavy foundation, mascara, an artificial mole, which is enormous. Like, I would be concerned that that was cancer if I didn't know it was fake. Yeah, get that checked. He would also use a clothespin to stretch and plump his lower lip to achieve the Presley pout. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, if only he were alive in the time of the Kylie Jenner lip kit. Oh, my God. This look was topped off by a large bandage on his nose, which he claimed was broken in a non-existent fight. <laughs> so we've that got like the Jinx Band-Aid, I guess. <laughs> what if that it looks, blob? It looks like if somebody stuck like putty Silly on putty. their face. I, yeah, to, I seriously think he just a like dick off of their nose. Right. It just looks like he spirit gummed wet gauze and then put like foundation over it. Like it's a a mess. DIY skin graft. It's not cute. Why would he do that? I, he want it's his alternative look. And this is like goth before goth. It's like messy, bad, pretty goth. Bad body mod, Mm -hmm. DIY bad body mod. It's not cute. 
He fell in step with a crew of like-minded oddballs and had several girlfriends. And this is a quote from History.com. Quote, he was also a well-known pathological liar, telling girls that he had terminal diseases and that he had connections to the mafia. To his friends, he constantly bragged about his sexual exploits, end quote. And let me guess, all of his friends were five to seven years younger than him. They were still Uh, in high school, and he was in his 20s. That hits close to home. Actually, yes. Yeah. That's 100% spot on. Yep. I could be an FBI One friend, profiler. You could. One friend described <laughs> John him Douglas saying, quote, over here. <laughs> he'd ride up to the high school in his red Chevy convertible and everyone would come running over. A pretty boy, an idol, the teenager's hero, wild and cool Smitty, the parents' ideal. Oh, my Gross. God. Yeah. Oh. So he was like revered by his friends and we will get to it. No. So in May of 1964, Charles, now 22 years old, and his girlfriend, Mary French, who is a high school girl. Of course. Approached a high school student named Aline Rowe and invited her to join them and their friend John Saunders for a double date. Aline agreed, not knowing that Charles was orchestrating this meetup in order to, quote, see what it felt like to kill someone. Oh, good. She was only 15 years old. Quote, I want to kill a girl, he said. I want to do it tonight. I think I can get away with it. Oh, my God. Yep. So Charles, his girlfriend Mary, and John lured Aline out into the Arizona desert. They walked down to a dry stream bed, and Charles hit her over the head with a rock multiple times. Oh, my God. She just wanted to go out on a double date with her friends. Yeah. God damn it. Before striking the final deadly blow... Charles told John to rape her, but John refused, so Charles did it. Oh, God. The only, like, solace I get from this is that she was not quite dead, but, like, knocked out. So yeah. I'm hope I'm just telling myself that she got hit and then just drifted and was felt Was unconscious, nothing. yeah. Yep. Was Mary, like, watching this, participating? We'll, we'll get to it. So Charles then struck Aline again and killed her. He then fetched Mary, who was waiting in the car, listening to the radio, and the three of them buried Aline together. Oh, my God. So she wasn't Mm -hmm. participating, but she was fully aware of what was going on. Oh, yeah. They they knew what the plan was. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. They were completely complicit. (gasps) Aline's mother, Norma, went to the police, who turned her away, assuming Aline was a runaway and that there wasn't enough evidence to assume a crime had taken place. She runs but she's like, she's 15. Even if she is a fucking runaway, go look for her. Yeah. Like, well, she's, it was what? Uh, the early 60s? Yeah. 1964. It it's just so 60s. fucking sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like tumultuous political shit going on. People are pissed about like Vietnam and like there was just this very general like angsty v- view of teenagers like mm. just being naughty. Yeah, mm. the cops like did not want to deal with Precisely. any teens and she probably, you know, was known to run with this gothy weird crowd and so they I were mean, like, yes like Elvis. And no, like like she 
I she knew these kids, but I don't think she was really hanging out with them that with them that much. Mm-hmm. She also had no history of running away. She had consistent attendance at school. Like God, I'm good not grades. trying to blame her. I'm just speculating. No, no, that, no, like, not the at cops all. Were like she's a bad kid. They don't give a shit. Yeah, right. And it's like it's not that any of these things even matter when it comes to the value of human life. But like, right. fuck, when someone tells the cops that something is wrong and out of character. And they just don't fucking believe you or do anything about it. It's right. so infuriating. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. You must know my child better than I right. do. I'm her fucking mother. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I can't. So Charles couldn't keep his mouth shut and rumors soon spread that he and Mary and John were responsible for Aline's death. But no couldn't one came his forward. artificially pouted mouth shut. Yeah, his giant ah. fish mouth shut. Yeah, there's a paper clip inside of it. Of course he couldn't. Fucking use that clip, <laughs> that clothes clip to fucking shut your trap, whatever. But no one came forward to substantiate these rumors. Quote, almost as fantastic as the murders themselves was the disclosure that at least 30 teenagers, all friends of Schmid's, had apparently heard him brag about the crimes and said nothing, states a Time Magazine article. Jesus Christ. Yep. Confided one 16-year-old co-ed at Tucson's Palo Verde High School. A lot of people knew, but it was already too late. Telling would have just made it tough on everyone. Uh, In case we have any high school listeners. Tell. tell fucking no, tell. Number one, tell. Number two, this is why you don't hang out with the, the person. The 23-year-old that's yeah, the trying to bang. Yeah, the person in their 20s. Yeah. Whose only With a cool f- car. friends are teenagers, because that person is a fucking loser and also probably a predator. Predator. Mm-hmm. And bad fucking news. Mm-hmm. They're bad news. They're super cringe. They they are gonna be your biggest regret when you get older. Just avoid Ugh. them like the plague. Yuck. Yeah, you're going to graduate and then you'll be in college and then it's normal to hang out with 22 year olds. Like, just give it a couple of years. You don't, if you don't, 22 year olds that you actually want to hang out with don't want to hang out with hang teenagers. Hang out with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. they don't. Yeah. They soups don't. You're not an exception. You're not an old soul. You're not so <laughs> you're mature not for cool. your age. You're not. Yeah, you're, you're being groomed. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. So a year later and no arrests are made. Charles is now dating 17-year-old Gretchen Fritz, and he's like 23 at this point. Gretchen was dating Charles in secret because her family would never approve. Her father was a prominent surgeon in Tucson and well-known and respected in the community. So dating a bad boy like Charles and an older bad boy like Charles would never fly. Mm -hmm. Charles confided in Gretchen about killing Aline as well as a previous murder of a young boy, but this can't be substantiated. But Gretchen didn't seem to mind Charles's past, and they continued their love affair. But also, like, she's 17. She's a fucking idiot. Like, it yeah, is what brain, it is. Their brains are not formed. Yeah. You're, you're just, she's, she's a dumb little kid. Mm-hmm. But when Charles was over it and wanted to break up with Gretchen, she threatened to go to the police with what she knew if he left her. Okay, also don't threaten. Now, don't no, threaten. This- just do it. Just let him break up with you and then go tell. And Again, not victim bra- blaming. You're 17. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. You're just a little dum-dum in love. It's not your fault. Right. But I, we're, we're, le- we're learning from this mm-hmm. mistake. Mm-hmm. So in an effort to protect himself from being caught, he strangled Gretchen to death, mm-hmm. as well as her 13-year-old sister, Wendy, who was tragically just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh, like she my was God. And overheard this. Oh and God. so he fucking killed her. The picture of Wendy, the little baby mm-hmm. muffin with the with the bangs. Little bangs. 
Mm-hmm. I've definitely had so I had cute. those bangs most of my life. She's yeah, you. Looks like you. Yeah, I know. He dragged the girls out into the desert and dumped them on the side of a hill, stating, "Quote: He just didn't care if they were found or not." End quote. A guitar string found alongside the body suggested that this was the means of strangulation. His penchant for luring young girls into the desert landed him the nickname the Pied Piper of Tucson. Oh, no. Yeah, I really hate that. Oh, really hate it. He then called his best friend to debrief a man named Richard Bruns. God, Richard Schmidt and and Bruns. Bruns don't Spread walk. your bruns and show me your schmid. <laughs> Ew. I know. I'm sorry. That was really gross. Anyway, <laughs> Richard had become one of Charles' best friends and had seen his transformation over the years. Quote, I was a witness to him losing his mind, Bruns wrote in his book, I, a squealer. <laughs> That's the book? <laughs> the name of the book. I, a squealer? I, a squealer. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Okay. It's like, good for you, bud. The first draft of which he penned in 1966. Oh, my God. Yeah. Will, yeah. Fucking Richard is also nuts, and we'll get to it. Quote, like, this is Richard saying this. Like the time he grabbed his cat, tied a heavy cord to its tail. And began to bash it bloody against the wall. Ugh. So this pl- this person is just an absolute psychopath. Yep. And At, yep. and for some reason, none of these people that know him socially are like informing the authorities. Mm-hmm. No, nobody. Nobody's fucking saying shit. God. Following this event, Charles turned to Richard, then nineteen years old and straight out of reform school, and exclaimed, "You feel compassion? Why? Oh no." Mm-hmm. Ew. So this next part I'm reading is an excerpt from a Mel magazine article. And Kenyon, there is a treat specifically for <gasps> you in here. So I'm just going to read it exactly as it was written. Okay. <gasps> Bruns eventually became the one who snitched and turned Schmidt into the police as events began to unfold in increasingly frightening ways. Two weeks after the Fritz sisters went missing, Schmid and Bruns were at a teen beer party, which, God, remember those? <laughs> a beer party. A teen beer, beer party. party. I can smell it. Ugh. The things that would that would have sparked so much joy 12 years ago that now just turned my stomach. Pure, pure dread. Just. Couldn't, sticky you couldn't, floors. Literally couldn't pay me. Yes. Now, no, it's, it's like 11.30 p.m. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, to go to a teen beer party? I can't. No. I won't. So You just listed a lot of things I have no interest Hate in. Hate it. Yep. Okay, so they were at this party when some strange men showed up and told them to get into a car. We were driven down Speedway Boulevard, Tucson's Action Strip, past the drive-ins, nightclubs, supermarkets, and gas stations, Bruns recalled. No one spoke the whole way. The men were part of the Bonanno crime family. Oh. Hey, two Bonanno! One oh. of the five major New York City organized crime families as depicted in the movie Donnie Brasco. Yes. The local operation of the Mafia clan was run by the oldest son of Kingpin leader Joe Bananas Bonanno. Yes! <laughs> A2 Bananno! He has risen! <laughs> 
Get that merch back. Here we go. Oh, we still have fanny packs. Bring it back. They're selling like hotcakes. Hotcakes. Hot Nothing <laughs> dusty about those fanny packs. Get them while they're hot. <laughs> Steaming <laughs> hot. Joe Bananas. <laughs> I'm resurrecting that fucking joke. <laughs> I got you, girl. We're put in this back, together. Put them back on the store. Kenyon and I are the they only ones. They never left. We have plenty. <laughs> oh. We will die on that hill. We the will sales, die on the it. The sales dropped to zero a long time ago. I thought we <laughs> removed them. <laughs> Still got Get some inventory. <laughs> Wine and Crime Podcast at Big Cartel. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, anyway, A2 bananas. We'll blow them off before we mail them out. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll dust (laughs) them out. On sale now, probably. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) On sale now, probably. (laughs) So good. So anyway, Schmid, this is continuing in this article. Schmid and Bruns were taken to an apartment complex for questioning. I know, I can't. Bruns, it's foul. (laughs) Schmid is what you call that thing that he slapped on his own face. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) He got a little little Schmid. Let me get it for you. He got a little Schmid in his undies, and now his undies are Bruns. (laughs) (laughs) There's a Bruns streak from all the Schmid in his undies. There's a Bruns Schmid in his and his backs are brief. <laughs> Ish. Anyway, they were taken to an apartment complex for questioning over the disappearance of the Fritz sisters. Bruns was told, quote, we've been asked by a friend to help find them, and that's why we want to talk to you. We've already talked to Schmitty here for a bit, but we want to get the two of you together. So remember, the Fritz sisters are from, like, a prominent family. Mm. So I wouldn't actually be surprised if, like, someone knew someone and was like, hey, will you look into this? The cops aren't doing shit about it. Oh, yeah. And then it's they're like, all of a sudden, about it. We're not, they're not doing Schmid. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you're bronzing from the fucking mob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Schmid kept to a story that the sisters had run away to San Diego. Still, the ba- the Bananas family questioning ended with, you guys aren't planning on leaving town for any reason in the near future, are you? We'll probably be wanting to talk to you again, and so we'd like to know where we can find you if we come looking. Hmm. You never want to hear that from the mom. No. no. Once they got home, Schmidt was so freaked out that he actually called the FBI and said the mob was after him. Fucking good. <laughs> he then asked the FBI for protection. Fuck you. But they don't know anything else that's going on with this guy, so like, yeah, they, they think gave he's insane. Mhm. So, look, Brun said, "My neck's in this now too. If you didn't bury those bodies, I'm not going to take the chance of them being found." So they like went back, returned to the scene of the crime, and buried the girls. Mhm. Even after all of this, Richard Bruns still didn't go to the police and turn in his friend. I don't get it. I don't get it. It makes no sense. He's like, loyal like you guys. Well, like, here's the thing. I would help cover up a murder. Well, right. And based on the friendship that we have now, not based right. on, like, years of psychopathic Right. If you, if I thought, if I thought or knew you were a serial, serial killer, murderer, I yeah. would not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a difference, Lucy. Accidents happen mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> it's really slippery outside. Bill fell. <laughs> Bill fell. Well, apparently he was making me a video message for my birthday, but I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Bill he fell, fell into, my, into knife my knife ten times. <laughs> He's probably upstairs making dinner, like sweating. <laughs> Love you. What a anyway. Sap. So. What finally pushed Richard over the edge was his fear that Charles's next victim would be his former lover, Kathy Morath. Mm. Richard and Kathy had dated off and on for the better part of a year, and when they finally broke up for good, Richard became a bit obsessed with her, mostly obsessed with the idea that of protecting her from Charles, who had also dated Kathy previously. Oh, this shit. This is like... If our Excelsior friend group, which like we were all yeah. diddling each other in like the middle school and high school I'm version sorry, of diddling. I didn't diddle a single one of them. The middle school and high school version of diddling. No, right? I didn't diddle anyone. You, okay, well then the Orono boys. Yeah, there like there was go. a group. There we go. There we go. There was a group that we all just passed around yeah. like hat cakes. Like mono. It was the yeah. Orono bicycle. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> so this was this was feeling like that kind of a situation. So he, Richard, watched Kathy very closely. He made visits to her home every day and completely freaked Kathy out in the process, understandably so, because he's, like, stalking her. Yeah. Yep. With, like, good reason, kind of, but it's still not cute. Kathy's yeah. parents called the cops, which resulted in essentially an exile with a judge bargaining that he won't assign jail time to Richard if Richard leaves Arizona to live with his grandparents in Ohio. So Richard agrees to this and moves in with his grandmother. A few months later, Richard is drinking alone at Granny's house. Oh, no. In his drunken state, he finally got the courage to call the police and snitch on his friend. Mm -hmm. Charles Schmid was finally arrested and faced trial for the three confirmed murders of the teenage girls in 1966. Now, it might be four because he talked about killing someone else before Aline, Uh but it can't, it couldn't be substantiated. So we just don't know. Okay. Richard testified against Schmid in this trial, spilling every detail of their tumultuous relationship, likely not motivated by his, like, moral compass, but to keep Charles from trying to turn the murders on him and get away with it. Yeah. And I think because he was complicit in the burial of the Fritz children that he probably skirted some charges by giving everything he knew up to the police. He's saying like a canary. Yeah. Exactly. So Charles Schmid was found guilty of all three murders and sentenced to death by gas chamber in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Quote, when Schmid's sentence was handed down, his wife, Diane, a 15 year old girl that he'd married shortly after meeting her on a blind date. No. Two months after murdering the Fritz sisters. Ew. Schmidt, this is Schmid's wife. No, yeah. Charlie Schmid married a 15 year old girl. Ish. Yep. She bursts into hysterical tears. Mm -hmm. Outside the courthouse, Schmid quietly told his child bride, that's the way it goes. Oh, psychopath. Oh, my God. Can you fucking even? God. There shouldn't. I don't care if you're pregnant. I don't care what. No one should be allowed to get married before they're 18. They're 21. 35. (laughs) 35. 40. Ever. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm, honey, I am with you. Schmid was then sent to death row at Arizona State Prison in Florence. 
But Charles would never see the gas chamber as the Arizona Supreme Court declared the punishment unconstitutional in 1971. So they took the death penalty completely off the table in the state in 1971. Mm -hmm. And his sentence was changed to 50 years to life. And like there was no way he was going to fucking get out. With his life spared, he made two attempts to escape. Natch. Psychopath. Yep. I think both of them happened in 1972. First, he disappeared from his cell only to be found three hours later crammed into a 15 by 12 inch clothes locker in the prison welding shop. Good job. Nailed it. Good job. A month later, he made another attempt, this time successful with fellow convicted murderer Raymond Hudgens. Quote, according to the New York Times, Schmidt put those high school gymnastic skills to use <laughs> and climbed over a prison fence while class was in session in the education and rehabilitation section of the prison. God. The escaped fugitives were on the run for two and a half days, during which time they momentarily held four hostages on a ranch near Tempe, Arizona. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Give it up, the dude. I know. The two eventually split up and were captured separately. So I think after the hostage situation, mm -hmm. they ran out separately, were mm -hmm. captured. Charles was captured wearing a terrible blonde wig to okay. hide his identity. And uh -oh, yes, that's the okay. other photo on the drive. So that's his second mugshot. That is... After his escape from prison. They didn't even take his wig off for the mugshot. <laughs> Fuck no. Fuck no. You gotta be embarrassed by this for fucking ever. Uh, that wig is kind of fire. I kind of love not. it. It's not. It looks like... super not. It looks like Kenyon in the morning. No, it does <laughs> not. My hair. I won't even be that mean. Uh, I don't think it's me. She likes it. <laughs> does Kenyon, honey, no. I didn't like that far but <laughs> although i could see you in this real cute turtleneck he looks like you know he looks way better in this photo really than the other one at least he doesn't have a skin graft on his face the weird silly putty photo the and silly like, putty dick nose with the mole and the yeah. and the weird mouth frown everything but like he does kind of look like a nasty Elvis. Like his eyeliner and mascara are definitely on point. Mm -hmm. The hair is on point, not the wig. The mole is a mess. The mustache is foul. The putty on his nose it's is foul. Confusing to say the least. His chin and his hairline are both uneven. It's mm -hmm. a little it, rough. It, his entire face looks like some sort of amalgamation, like a like a like a bot wrote his face. <laughs> right, but like in the picture with the wig, if you mentally remove the wig, like that's a beautiful man. Yeah. Without all that weird makeup. It like, could just be like, you know, sometimes there's like, you know, a weird trick of photography where there's like mm -hmm. one really oddly decent photo of someone, but, but actually they're here's hideous. Why, here's why I think <laughs> the one photo of him looking like shit is actually the odd photo because like teens worshipped him. Like, he yeah. had to have been moderately attractive for him yeah. to be, like, fucking worshipped in this town. I don't as, know, like, though. As, like, a teenage think renegade. Of, think of all the people that we fucking hung out with who were, in hindsight, absolutely disgusting and gross. But we were just teenagers and they were older. That's true. You're right. Teenagers it could are be anything. stupid. It's all Either gross. way, I don't, I don't care to comment on this man's attractiveness because he's a fucking pile of shit. Oh, right. yeah. He's a monster. Right. right. But 
that's the only thing where I'm like, maybe that's why he had such a hold over all these teenagers. That's why I'm like bringing it up. You're speculating. Yeah. I'm speculating. Yeah. So, you're, we're not actually in any way attracted to this no, horrible no. waste He's of life. He's disgusting. Vile. Anyway. He was returned to prison where he would only serve three more years before being attacked by fellow inmates in 1975. Mm-hmm. He was stabbed 47 times. Mm. Those close to Charles believed he was involved with the Aryan Brotherhood behind bars, and when he shifted away from their ideation, they murdered him. Mm. Too bad. He survived. Yeah, I know, right? Oops. Mm-hmm. He survived the attack for 10 days before dying in, the, in like the prison hospital. He was buried in the prison cemetery out in the Arizona desert, which ironically enough was only a few short miles from where he buried his victims. Mm-hmm. And that when he even cared to bury them. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, he eventually went back and carried them. And like fucking Richard talks about going back to the site of the of the Fritz girls mm-hmm. and how like animals had gotten at them because they'd just been exposed in the desert. I think they just dropped them off. For like weeks or months at that point. Yeah, it's the desert. Like the desert, yeah. the desert will take care of some shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how like horrific the sound of like dragging these dried partial remains through the sand to bury them w- will like haunt him forever. Oh it's like, God. yeah, fucker, I don't feel bad for you. Fucking turn this guy in. Mm-hmm. Like, I. If like if someone had fucking turned this guy in about Aline, more people he wouldn't would have be been alive. able to kill Wendy and and Gretchen. Mm-hmm. It's like this is why you tattle. It's cool to narc, you guys. Mm-hmm. It's fucking cool. Yeah, narc on murderers. Yeah, that's, hashtag narc on that's murderers. That's different than like somebody has a blunt in their locker. Okay, exactly. It's different. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Anyway, that. Is my case. Fucking wow. Isn't that nuts? I'll never trust a Charlie again. Never. No. Hashtag don't trust a Charlie. And uh, apologies to any innocent, non-cheating and murdering Charlies listening right now. Yeah. I'm, if I'm there so even are any that yeah. fit that I have a couple friends named Charlie who I would <laughs> we have, And we, I do like the name Charlie still, despite too. all of this. I do too. <laughs> I do we too. like, I have lots of friends with babies named Charlotte. Um, so we cute. are friends with Charlie from Crime Lines. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but fuck these That's, ones. Yeah. yeah, but fuck some. Fuck of them. these three or four or five Charlies in particular, and not and fuck Andrina. Yeah, yeah. Thank you to our fan picker Andrina V. Good app. Yeah, you excellent app. This was good, and I hope that you have found solace after cheating Charlie. Because fuck that guy yeah, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hope so too. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. We love ya. Mm. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers. Cheers.